time I shared on a Sunday morning, I told this story about a cave. Um, and I, I had a, a not, not small amount of people come up to me afterwards and say, you know, Jeremy, I'm just a little bit claustrophobic. And I, just, I, I was about to have to walk out of the auditorium um, as you shared. So I just wanted to assure you this morning, no cave stories, staying far away from them. Um, you know, my, my parents, well, my dad... He is a wildlife and forestry consultant, and then my mom majored in botany. And so growing up, they were always aware of all the plant life around them, as you can imagine. Um, and, and because of that, they wanted to share their appreciation with me. And you probably know how fun it can be for your parents to be really, really into something, and that they want you to be into it as well. Um, and, you know, it would go kind of like, okay, Jeremy, can you tell us what tree this is? Yes, you do know. Look at the leaf shape. Think about how many points it has. No, a sycamore has different type of bark. Okay, yes, it's an oak tree, but what kind of oak tree? You know, that's kind of how it went. That's honestly not much of an exaggeration. But the truth is that, I mean, the world really is full of some incredible plants. And, and I, I wanted to share some with you this morning. Um, so, so here's the first one. This is the, uh, the bleeding heart. You can find it in Korea and China and Japan. And it looks like the name, right? It's a heart. It has these almost looks like, like teardrops coming off of them. Uh, next up is the white baneberry, and they call this the doll's eye. Um, I think you can see why it's called that. And if it grosses you out, the, the look of all these little doll eyes, no worries, you're not missing out because it is poisonous to humans. You wouldn't want to eat it anyway. This is the carrion plant. Now, this is found in South Africa. It's called the carrion plant because it emits the smell of rotting flesh to attract flies to pollinate it. And so it, it's supposed to be really bad smelling to the point that they're using it um, in, in like appetite suppressants. There's research to use it as an appetite suppressant. Um, now, this next one is the Venus flytrap. And this one, of course, is carnivorous. It eats bugs, traps them in its little, little mouths there. And I actually always wanted one of these. And my wife, I think it was like six or seven years ago, she got me one. And I was so excited. And, and true story, our children's minister now, Erin Leonard, she house sat for us. And I'll just say that I no longer have a Venus flytrap, okay? So if you can get her to tell you what happened, please come share it with me. I'd love to know the, the, the real story, you know. Now, I grew up in, uh, in Tennessee and Mississippi, so you might be able to guess one of the first plants I became familiar with, and that is kudzu, right? This is the, uh, the vine that ate the south, um, is what they call it. Consumes and covers everything it comes into contact with. Now, maybe in kindergarten, you grew a styrofoam cup of grass and drew a face on it. Maybe you grew a bean to learn about the stages of plant growth. Maybe you stuck a stalk of celery in a cup to watch it suck up the colored water. Now, next up is a plant I actually have some real personal history with. Um, seemed like this plant was always in the way. You know, I've seen many lives lost because of this plant, actually, and that is the piranha plant, of course. Now, I've, I've gotten a little far from interesting real plants, um, but this next one's true. This next one's real. This is the Victoria Amazonica. Um, they're those giant lily pads that float on the surface of ponds. And for some reason, people love to put babies on these things, and then take pictures. They're very popular. You can find tons of these pictures, baby after baby. I think one of these is even a dog somebody put their puppy on, you know. Um, now, now, that is a handsome baby right there. Can we all take a minute to admire? And I think that's, I think the next, yes, that is Barrett Coffin <laughs> on a lily pad. So uh, 
we'll have to, we'll have to let him know he was, he's still with us here this morning, even though he's out of town. Um, now, this, this is the plant, right? And the biggest part of this plant, you know, what everybody focuses on, these giant leaves. And those lily pads, they're just the leaves, right? Despite their size, the real heart and life of this plant is down in its roots beneath the water where you never see it. Now, this is the dragon's blood tree. It has both the coolest name and look for a tree, in my opinion. Because, and it's called that because its sap is like this dark red blood. So it's called the dragon's blood tree. But it actually grows in this very distinctive way for a reason. The shade that it produces protects its roots in a hot and arid environment so that there's enough moisture for the roots to collect. Um, that's why it grows in that shape. Now, this is the, uh, the bladder wart, and this thing has maybe the craziest roots of all. Um, they, you can see them, they're like tubes. They fill up with air so that the plant floats along the surface of the water. Not only that, they can collapse, and when they do, it creates a suction effect that will suck bugs up into the roots, and they will draw nutrients from the trapped bugs. Pretty fascinating. This is the uh, strangler fig. Um, and, and what you're seeing here are, are two plants, actually. See, what happens is the seed gets dropped down by a bird onto a tree, and then the roots from the seed grow down, and they steal the nutrients from the tree it lands on as they seek the ground. And eventually, as the tree inside of the strangler fig dies, it will just leave this big hollow tube stretching up into the sky. Now, these plants, they're, they're radically different, but they all have one thing in common, and that's that their roots, their roots are the source of their life. It's where they draw their sustenance from. It's what keeps them grounded when strong winds and terrible storms sweep through. You know, most of the time, you can't see a plant's roots, but even unseen, they are what's keeping a plant alive. And Paul, he looks at these plants, and he, he says, you know, this is a lot like that each one of us has something that is the source of our life. It's often unseen, but it's the thing that we draw sustenance from. It's what makes us get out of bed. It's what motivates us to give our all. It's what gives us joy and excitement and what sees us through the hard times. All of us are drawing life from somewhere. And so Paul writes this in Colossians 2, 6 through 7. As you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Paul says, make sure that Jesus is the source, that he's the source of your life, that you're living in him, that your roots are holding on to him as your foundation. Now, there's, there's kind of this implication there in that passage. You know, Paul says, be rooted and built up, strengthened in the faith. You, know, you need roots for sustenance, but you need strong roots for foundation, right? Because when the storms come, and the storm is coming, the strength of your roots is all you have to count on. Uh, this is another plant. This is the Bradford pear tree, all right? You've seen these everywhere, maybe. They bloom every spring with those pretty white flowers. 
The smell is noticeable. I would say it's terrible. <laughs> um, and, uh, they're, but they're also considered an invasive species at this point. Um, in fact, right now, my, my wife told me about this, uh, University of Kentucky is offering a bounty on Bradford pears. So if you go out and cut them down, they'll replace it with a different type of tree. Um, and, and in addition to all these shortcomings, Bradford pears have a real problem, and it's this. They're roots. You see, despite being this popular ornamental pretty tree, the Bradford pear has a shallow root system. It makes it prone to uprooting and toppling over during strong winds and storms. And then these shallow roots also make it susceptible to diseases and insect infestations, and that can further weaken the tree's stability. Now, we've just seen what strong winds can do, right? Uh, I know my family, we were without power for four days, some of you longer than that. There were over 650,000 people without power because of the storm. And that loss of power came from trees collapsing into power lines, trees that could not stand up to the storm. I believe it was 10 people tragically died across the five states affected, um, and most all of them from trees collapsing. And if you're a Bradford pear and you don't have strong roots, then when the storm arrives, it is already too late. Now, maybe during the storm you did something like my son Gavin and I did. Um, You huddle together in the downstairs bathroom. You read your very cool new Nintendo book from the book fair by Candlelight. uh, And you hope, you hope that the trees around you have deep enough and strong enough roots. Now, maybe that's what you have to do during a physical storm. But man, that's no way to go through life, wondering, waiting to see. When things get hard, will my life collapse? And so Paul says, choose. Choose today to put your roots down deep into the one thing, the one person who can see you through any storm, Jesus. And I want us, I want us to take a moment to consider what happens, to work through what life looks like and how it falls apart when you're rooted in anything other than Jesus. You know, I can only imagine that when Paul writes this, he's thinking about what Jesus said as recorded in Matthew seven twenty four through 27. And we even sing a song about this passage. I'm glad it's family worship because I think our kids know this song. Um, so maybe the kids can help me. The wise man built his house upon the, the rock. That's it. JP knew it. Um, the rain came down. And the floods came up, and what happened? The wise man's house stood firm, stood strong, yes. But the foolish man, he built his house upon the sand, and his house went splat. His house went splat. And man, the first outcome of a life rooted in something else, a house built on something other than Jesus, is a life that is unstable. A life that's unstable. Splat. I mean, let's think about this. Imagine that instead of Jesus, you build your life, you're rooted in the identity of of being a good parent, right? That's your ultimate good. If you can manage your family well, if you set up your kids correctly, then everything is complete. And is being a good parent a good thing? I mean, certainly. But if that's what I'm rooted in, if that's the foundation I build my life on and I fail at being a parent, or something goes wrong, then what's left? What's holding me up? I mean, how many parents have found their identity in the raising of their children, then when the day comes for their children to leave the house, they look around and all they can say is, what now? 
what's left? Who am I? If I'm rooted in something or someone else other than Jesus and I lose it, then I'm lost. And if it's someone else's fault that I lose it, I'll be bitter and resentful toward them. And if instead it's because of my own failures that I lose what I've given my life to, I'll despise myself. How can I live with myself? You can't avoid it. You can't avoid the instability of being rooted in anything other than Jesus. Even if I say, I won't build my life or my significance around anyone or anything, then I'm actually rooted in my own personal freedom and independence. I mean, look around at the world. How secure really is your freedom and independence? Um, those of us who got to go to Croatia, I mean, we have friends now, and they used to live in Ukraine. They'll tell you how fragile your freedom and independence is, how quickly it can be lost. But, but if you're rooted in Jesus... That's a foundation that cannot be stolen from you. It can't disappoint, and it will give you the strength and the foundation to get through anything. Now, being rooted in something other than Jesus also leads to slavery. Jesus in John 8, 34, he says, Anyone who sins is a slave to sin. And it's true. You know, when we take our meaning in life from something other than Jesus, we are enslaved, because now we must have that Thing. And whatever it demands, we must give it, or else we will lose our very selves. Let's talk for a moment about success. Um, success for everyone in this room, it probably varies based on where you're at in life, right? If you work, maybe it's the, the quality of your work, or your position in the company, or the size of your paycheck. Um, maybe it's, it's, it's the appearance and reputation of your home among your peers. You know, for many students in our youth ministry, um, in the world they live in, success is often measured either athletically or academically. Now, sports can be good, right? Paul, Paul uses sports constantly to help us understand uh, the Christian walk. Uh, he speaks to the value of exercise in First Timothy. But if you're rooted in them, right, that's what we're talking about. If that's where you draw your life from, your identity and your sense of value, then things take a dark turn. Here, here's some of what I've seen students wrestle with, right? There's this fun thing that I like. I get to do it with my friends. I'm kind of good at it. It's great. In fact, you know, maybe I'm quite good, and I get praise for my performance, and I get attention that I wasn't getting before. But I could be better. You know, if I spent more time on it, if I took it a little more seriously, and as I improve, it turns out this is only the beginning Right? You see, there are elite spaces and teams for people with my level of ability, and that's the place where I can really grow and improve. That's what it'll take to be one of the best. Now, of course, once I'm there, I won't be a standout player anymore because everyone there is as good as me. But I can really put in the hours. You know, Whatever I need to cut out, I can cut out. We can travel. We can go to workshops. I can get personal training. I can work harder. I can give up more. Because at this point, it's kind of the only thing people know me for. I've invested so much of my life into it to come up short, and I can't bear the thought that it was all wasted. So I'll do whatever it wants. I'll give up whatever I have to. Just tell me what to do to be better. And academics can be the same story. Do you know that at some colleges, as many as 33% of students are abusing Adderall? Um, and the link that they've found is that these students did well 
academically in high school is the students who have excelled. They made good grades, but they found that college is harder and it's more demanding. And for the first time in their lives, their GPA is dipping. And what will people think? You know, I've tried everything else I know how to do. And if this will help me focus more, study longer, remember better. And, and, and yes, I said I'd never do anything like this, but, but I thought I'd be able to do it on my own, and I can't. So if I have to abuse a drug not prescribed to me, so be it. If I need to cheat just a little, it's worth my perfect GPA. I'll do whatever it wants. I'll give up whatever I have to. Just tell me what to do to be better. Students, don't let the good thing that God gave for your benefit an athletic ability and academic talent, those are good things, but don't let the good thing that God gave you become your master. And parents, protect and guard your children from slavery to a life rooted in anything other than Jesus. Such a life of being rooted somewhere else will also lead you to emptiness. You know, most of us will never have all of our dreams come true. It's just the reality, right? And because our dreams don't come true, I think it's easy to believe that if we were as successful or, or wealthy or popular or as beautiful as we wish, we'd finally be happy and at peace. But the harsh truth is that it just isn't so. Uh, Cynthia Heimel, she wrote in a column once about all the people she knew in New York City that went on to become famous movie stars. So these were people who had normal jobs, right? They were selling movie tickets. They were working makeup counters. All they wanted was to make it and become famous. And as they did, and they did, they all became more miserable and angry. Why? You got what you wanted. Well, here's what she wrote. That giant thing that they were striving for, that fame thing that was going to make everything okay, that was going to make their lives bearable, that was going to fill them with happiness, had happened. And the next day, they woke up and they were still them. The disillusionment turned them howling and insufferable. I mean, is there anything more lonely than chasing after the thing that you believe will make you happy? giving up everything to achieve it, only to find that nothing changes. No matter how beautiful or attractive or or fit you are, you can't chase away the emptiness. Regardless of how many people praise and adore you, whether to your face or, or whispered at social events or demonstrated through views and likes, it won't chase the emptiness away. But there is a better way. Um, I, I showed you earlier this picture of celery. Uh, you guys remember doing this? Can we see? Yeah, you did this thing, right? You, you stick the celery down in colored water, and it draws the colored water up its root system. And amazingly, that actually changes the color of the celery itself. Man, do you see how it works? Paul says that when you're rooted in Jesus, it will change you from the inside out. And he gives us some detail. We can pull up the scripture. It says, the color that will show through is thankfulness. It says thankfulness because we know that we couldn't do it. We are going to end up unstable, enslaved, and empty. But he rescued us, and he gives us a foundation for our life. And so we have this this unending source to be thankful from. And because we know 
that we're not responsible for our own rescue. We don't have to look down on others as if they did something, you know, as if they missed it, as if we're superior. In fact, because our foundation is so secure and nothing or no one can take it away, then when someone disagrees with us or says offensive things, someone takes a different political stance or they hate us or they challenge our worldview, our life, our identity, it cannot be threatened because it is so secure in Jesus. And that frees us up to love them, just love them in response and to serve them. Being rooted in Jesus (laughs) enables you not have to respond with hate, but to be able to respond with love. We all, we all have to pick something. You don't get to opt out. You have to build your identity on something. You have to root your life in something. And whatever it is that you pick, it becomes the Lord of your life, whether that's how you think of it or not. And Jesus, he is the only Lord who, if you fail him, was happy to die for you to be forgiven, forever forgiven. He will fulfill you completely, and nothing can take it away. I have, a, I have one last plant to show you this morning. This is the pando tree. It is a, uh, and listen, I really, despite my parents' best efforts, I don't know anything about plants, so I had to look all these things up. But this is a type of aspen that grows in Utah. Here's what's unique about this tree. It's all the same plant. You see, each of those trees you see, they grow up from one single root system. All of them share the same roots. There are 40,000 different trunks. It's like 106 acres, 80 football fields. It weighs 6,000 tons, making this tree the largest living thing on the earth. That is 40 blue whales combined, all right? And I think this is a wonderful picture of what Paul is talking about in Colossians 2. You have all these different trees, right? All these different people but they're all connected into the same root system. And this root system is something bigger than you would ever guess. It's the biggest living thing on the planet. In the same way, when we're rooted in Jesus, we are rooted in something bigger than anyone would imagine. You know, today, um, you may find yourself in several different places. Um, maybe you've heard about Jesus, you, you know some about him, you haven't decided to make him your Lord, you haven't uh, maybe committed to that and publicly through baptism. Or maybe you've decided to follow Jesus, and he's your foundation. He is your Lord and Savior. Either way, we all have a a choice to make. You know, if you haven't accepted Jesus, then the first part of Colossians 2, 6 through 7, is for you to receive. It says, just as you receive Jesus, receiving Jesus as your Lord, it's your first step in being rooted into something that will last. So I hope you'll be thinking about it, if that's you. Um, we, We would like to help you know, if we can. So please let us know if if you want to talk, if you want to pray with someone, there's a way we can be helpful. Now, if you have followed Jesus, then your choice, it's it's that that next word that Paul used. He's, He's towards the end there. He says, continue, continue to live your life in him and watch out for the temptation to put down roots anywhere else. Let us know this morning if there's any way we can serve you. Let's stand together and let's sing.